Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Good morning. It is Friday, May 5th. It is five minutes after 10. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. His name is Rob Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels. You can find us both on Twitter, Rob M. Kendall and Casey Daniels 317. You can also find us on YouTube right now as we're streaming live. All you have to do is go to YouTube and type in Kendall and Casey into the YouTube search bar. We're glad you're joining us on this Friday. A whistleblower is alleging that the FBI and the Justice Department are in possession of a document that describes a criminal scheme involving the then Vice President Joe Biden and a foreign national. And this is in relation to the exchange of money for policy decisions. So will the president, the now president, classify this document? Will we ever find out what country this foreign national is from? Will we ever find out what is the policy decision that was changed? Well, Senator Josh Halley has a few things to say about this. This is interesting because it kind of popped up out of nowhere. And there's so much stuff on Biden, especially allegations against Biden, that it's hard to keep track of all of them. But for whatever reason, this this allegation, this alleged existence of the whistleblower and the corresponding evidence has really gained a lot of traction over the past couple days. Like it is at the forefront now of the Republican investigation in the House to Biden. James Comer, uh, from the representative from Kentucky, head of oversight, and then Grassley, mm-hmm. who's basically his counterpart in the on the Senate, so a senator from Iowa, Chuck Grassley, also 9,000 years old, um, have now tried to subpoena the FBI to get them to testify on this. So whatever this thing is, the Republicans must believe there's some legs to it because they are investing a lot of time and capital into talking about this supposed whistleblower and the information and evidence that he or she has. And it's also being reported now that the FBI is taking this very seriously. And uh, a lot of these GOP people, they're saying that we need to release the document, release the evidence, and if there needs to be special counsel, we'll go ahead and appoint one. But this is the real thing. So here is Josh Hawley, and he just he said it straight up. The public deserves to know if Joe Biden is a crook. Yeah, and particularly because what the whistleblower has said is the FBI has impos- been in possession of this information about Joe Biden for months, potentially years. So the allegation is the FBI hasn't acted on it, that there has been interference. We need to know the facts here. Release the document, release the evidence. If there needs to be a special counsel, appoint one. But the only way the American people are going to have confidence is if the information's out there. What is it they used to say about Richard Nixon? Hmm. They deserve to know if the president's a crook. We deserve to know if this president's a crook. Let's get the information. Well, I think, yeah, the American people need to know if Biden sold out the United States. I like when we play Josh Hawley audio because he sounds like he should be a weekend news anchor on ABC. Doesn't he just have weekend news anchor voice? He does have a very smooth delivery. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, it'll be interesting. I mean, again, obviously, you're not going to get any cooperation from Biden or the Democrats. And I think it has been proven time and again that 
Our country is basically run by a cabal of nameless, faceless bureaucrats who work against the American people. So we'll see what the Republicans Republicans can come up with. Um, but well, it'll be really interesting to see, though, if the DOJ and the FBI, if if they're gonna if they're gonna do this independently and objectively. <laughs> I know you laugh, and that's the thing. That's why they're oh, they're subpoenaing <laughs> this letter. It's 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 got to be free from any influence from these agencies. You, you're such a beautiful. Are they going to play ball? Are they going to keep shielding Joe Biden? You have such a beautiful soul, and I'm so glad we have a radio show together. And one of the things I love about you is you're optimistic enough to think that our our government, our law enforcement in this nation will work in a fair and just and timely manner to get vital information about elected officials out to the American public. I just, you're just the best. I'm precious, I know. Let's talk about Joe Manchin. He sparked speculation that he may leave the Democrat Party ahead of, you know, 24. He may go to what, this no labels? He's got a relationship with no labels. It's a political group that's been trying to allow all 50 states to have a third-party candidate in a presidential election for a while now. Uh, uh, so no labels is basically a group who wants Democrats who can't win in Republican states to be able to win, uh, and they've come up with this no labels thing, or they people would run together for candidacies, or they'd run as independents. I mean, uh, I've never understood what an independent is. I get people say, I'm an independent. Well, okay, what that means is you vote for different parties, but you're not independent, I mean, on the issues, right? You have a stance. You have a stance on whether it is okay from conception to live birth to suck the brains out of a defenseless fetus. You have a stance on that. You're not independent on that. You have a stance on whether 6.3 million illegal immigrants should be able to cross the southern border. You have an opinion on that. You have an opinion on whether you think the property taxes in this state are completely out of control or not. I mean, I'm an independent. Well, I think people just tell themselves that to make themselves feel more important. You have to work for my vote. Well, I think it just means that they agree with Republicans sometime and Democrats sometime. But how is that even And there's thing? not one candidate who's covering all the bases for them. How you know, in Indiana, if you say you're independent, that means you can't vote for uh, candidates in the primary. Well, think about how rigged our primary system is here. You're 100% right, Casey. In Indiana... You have to declare... Which party? When you go vote. Yeah. You have to identify with one of these two underachieving colossal piles of crap in order to participate in the local government process. And they've so rigged the system now to where, let's say you uh, decide... Okay, let's... Here's a great example. Let's say you live in a community where, for whatever reason the local you're a republican but you desire to have an influence over your uh local community and you live in a community where predominantly democrats win elections now those are few and far between here in in indianapolis but let's just say you'd made a calculated decision hey Jefferson Shreve or Abdul Hakim Shabazz have no chance against Joe Hogsett. I believe the best chance to get rid of Joe Hogsett is to get him in a primary. And so I'm going to go and I'm going to vote to get Robin Shackelford across the finish line. Well, the system is so rigged now that even though you are an actual Republican voter, but want to have a positive influence on your community and vote for the best person in a primary who's the overwhelming favorite would be the overwhelming favorite to win you are now essentially barred from running for public office if they want to stop you 
under that banner because you have to vote the last two times you voted in a certain primary mm -hmm. in order to be considered in good standing or otherwise they can bounce you off the ballot if the party boss doesn't like you in your well, county. And just last week, if you were to go vote, for example, in Indianapolis and say I'm independent and you go to vote, well, you don't even have the opportunity to vote for Abdul or Jefferson Shreve because it doesn't even show up. The only thing you would get if you said I want a uh, nonpartisan ballot is the uh, referendum. That would be all, exactly. that you, all that you would get. So the system here is totally rigged. Now back to Joe Manchin. This is a highly fraudulent person. This is a person who has everything that is wrong with politics and government. This is a person that has managed to enrich himself greatly uh, during his time, uh, especially in the U.S. Senate. Uh, he was a governor of West Virginia before that. He is a guy who lied to the American people about standing up to the Democrats, then caved to the Democrats, uh, voted for this green dream with all the tax increases and government overreach, and then has the audacity to go on national television and go, well, these parties, they aren't working for the American people anymore. Well, they're your party, buddy, and you vote with them 90% of the time. You are the problem. You are, when you talk about it not working for the people, not working for the people is going on national TV and declaring something dead because it doesn't work, which he was right, and then six months later, oh, I changed my mind. Well, that's because he's probably getting a hard time from his constituents in his deep red state, which he is supposed to represent. Well, and, and, to, and to quote the famed philosopher Pitbull uh, in regards to the election, <laughs> he's, he's going down. He's yelling timber. Right. And now he's, there's speculation that he could run on a nationwide ticket. Will he run for president on this no labels ticket? He's been part of this no labels group sure, since December right. of 2010. He said people are starving, starving to work together. No, they aren't. This constant daily routine of everyone's against everyone. Everyone's fighting and arguing. Let's be for the country and get something done. But what the hell does that mean? What in, what in the world does that mean? Let's work for the country and get something done. You just did something. You passed a massive government overreach and a massive colossal group of tax increases after you lied to the American people and said you wouldn't do that. Well, your party controlled everything for two years. The Republicans couldn't stop anything if they wanted to, as you proved, based on the fact that you used reconciliation to jam through the bill where you lied to the American people. It has nothing to do with inflation reduction. It's a total climate overreach bill. You guys could do whatever you want, and yet this is what they do. People sit around in the, in Washington who have been there forever, and they whine, and they complain, and they bemoan. You have had all sorts of time to do something about this. He kind of sounds like Fauci, doesn't he? Let's not live in the past. Don't don't pay attention what I did before. Well, I I, I hope I hope he runs again for re-election because he's going to get beat into the dirt in West Virginia, which is now overwhelmingly Republican, and he knows he's reading the tea leaves. He knows what's about to happen, and so I hope he probably won't. He probably just wimp out and say, ah, "I'm not doing it again." Um, but that's that's too bad, Casey. When we come back, yes. There's this letter now that was apparently written by one of the Menendez brothers uh -huh. that people are claiming now exonerates them now. There's no doubt they killed their parents. And would prove their innocence. But, the, of course, the trial centered around this alleged abuse mm -hmm. by, by the father. The mother was kind of a willing participant by not saying anything. She knew it was going on. And now there's this supposed letter that people are claiming, well, they should have been found not guilty. This letter proves all the things that they said at the trial. Proves the abuse. Yeah. All right. That's on the way from 93 WIBC. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Nineteen minutes after ten, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Very good, Kevin. Did you even know that I was going to talk about this Rick Springfield concert right now? Well, you were talking to me about it yesterday, yeah. about how he's coming to town. Yeah, that's one of the trending stories this hour. Rick Springfield going to perform at the White River State Park on Saturday, August 5th. Tickets went on sale about 19 minutes ago, and uh, he's not going to be alone. This is the I Want My 80s tour. <laughs> Along with Rick Springfield, you've got the Hooters, Paul Young, and also Tommy Two-Tone. You know, that's, uh, that's actually not a bad lineup. We yeah. should certainly try to get some of them on the show. Kev loves Rick Springfield. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. one of your favorites. Yeah, yeah, I will be at that show. Yeah, definitely. Well, what a great reason to go. You can meet Kevin McNamara <laughs> of the Kendall and Casey show, and you could probably, I would guess, I don't want to speak for Kev, but if someone wanted to buy you a high-end craft beer of some sort, you might sit sit there and talk with them for a while. Yeah, that's. I'm open to that. See, sure. absolutely. There we go. We got to try to get Rick Springfield on this show. I'm going to put you in charge of that. And Tommy Two-Tone. Do you ever try and dial up 8675309? No, you know why? Because I'm a decent person. It's Casey. a medical supply company. It- here in Indianapolis? Well, it depends on what area. Cody well, that's my it. point, right? <laughs> also, is, trendy- that the, is that the biggest jerk move in the history of music to use an actual phone, phone number? number? I mean, some people in the 80s, what that song was like, 82 or something like that, mm-hmm. had that as their actual phone number. And then they just start getting bombarded. With phone calls. Yeah. Let me talk to Jenny. And it was in the day where, okay, if you, it wasn't like, you know, you call now, call waiting, you know, or call her, uh, you know, on your cellular telephone. If you were taking up someone's line, it was a busy signal. Their family couldn't call. If there was an, a medical emergency of some sort, they couldn't get out. What a jerk move. Go ahead and pick up your phone and try and text it. See who you no, get. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Also trending this morning, Larry Gator Rivers. He played and coached for 16 years with the Harlem Globe Trotters. He has passed away at the age of 73. What a great nickname, Gator. Mm-hmm. Gator. Have you ever seen the Globe Trotters? You've seen them, haven't you? When I was a kid, mm-hmm. I was very young. I think most people, when they think of the Harlem Globetrotters, they think of like the incarnation that was on Scooby-Doo in, I believe that was in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, that was probably the most famous group, group of uh, Globetrotters, but they're still around. Yep, still around, still touring, and still good family fun. Also trending, America's Roller Coast back for their 154th year. Cedar Point reopening this weekend. And finally, this audio, and this kicks Clinton's sax butt. Here's Vivek Ramaswamy on piano. Didn't know he knew how to play piano. I am. Uh, it's not perfect, but he still posted it. No, I'm, here, here's what I'm very happy about with this show, Casey. Yeah. We are watching your love affair with this guy play out in real time. <laughs> oh, what... oh my gosh! Here, here he is playing the piano. You know, ladies do like a man who now, can play. An now instrument. here he is adding up his savings at Costco. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> Twenty-two minutes after ten, with Kendall and Casey on ninety-three WIBC. You want to talk about this bombshell letter written by one of the Menendez brothers to a cousin? I think the Menendez brothers' case is one of the most interesting in 
American, certainly modern American history. And I, I am old enough. Again, you're a little more seasoned than me. Just a day or two. But I am old enough to, I was very young, but I remember that playing out in real time and how pre-OJ, that was probably the biggest American court case since Charles Manson. Yeah. I mean, the, in terms of, hey, every news outlet is covering the Menendez case. And every day you're you're getting home and you're, you know, you're tuning in to, to what happened. And people are taping the actual courtroom testimony and watching it over over dinner. I mean, it was it was so big. And the fact that they went through two of them because the first one was a right. hung jury. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, it was huge. So attorneys for Eric and Lyle. They have filed a petition seeking their release from prison. They have cited a new discovery that supports their claims that the boys were sexually abused by their father. Now, they claimed that in court the first two times, and the judge just dismissed it and said, told the jury not to consider that. They used that as their defense for murdering their father, which they admitted to. They did say that they did shoot their dad. After they lied about it. They lied. They acted like, oh, my gosh, there's this killer. I mean, they're the, they're the ones who call 911. Oh, my gosh, somebody's killed our parents. Yeah, and then, obviously, they never, they were arrested before they finally came. They wasn't like they walked into the police station and held their hand up and said, yep, we did it. I mean, they were, they were trying to get away with it, um, which is largely why they got caught. Mm-hmm. The major red flag for those two, I mean, they would have caught him eventually, but was they went on just this massive spending spree of money. And I think the average person stopped and said, now, wait a second. If indeed you had suffered this high level of trauma to the point where you felt compelled in a fit of rage to kill your parents, one, you wouldn't hide that you were the culprit. You would call 911 and say, I, I, look, I just snapped. I don't know what I did. I need somebody to get here, whatever. Or at the very least, you wouldn't be out living the high life over executing your parents. Mm -hmm. So this letter Eric sent to his cousin, and he sent it about eight months before the killings, and it is supporting abuse claims if you believe it. The letter says, I've been trying to avoid dad. It's still happening, Andy, but it's worse for me now. I can't explain it. He's so overweight that I can't stand to see him. And then the letter goes on to say, I know I'm afraid of him. You just, you know, I don't like dad. He's crazy. And the boys are, have alleged for years that they were sexually abused by their father. And that's what made them kill him. And look, it, that may have happened. It may not. There are numerous people who absolutely 100% refute what their claims were. I don't know. I, wa- I wasn't there. The point is, though, if you had the ability to orchestrate the assassination of your parents, you also had the ability to go to law enforcement and say, I am being sexually abused by this person. Please help me. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like they went and weren't believed. It wasn't as though they told their story to someone with an ability to do something about it. These were not even little kids. I mean, these were two adult males who made a conscientious choice to assassinate their parents. And the mother... While you could make, if indeed it happened, you could make a case she was complicit in it by not trying to stop him or not actually stopping him or not also reporting it to the authorities. 
she was not the one doing the abuse. So the prosecutors in the case said that the abuse never happened. And now Eric and Lyle's attorneys are saying this letter proves that it did happen. Nah, here, here's the thing. I'm not convinced those guys didn't plot for over a year to try to pull this off. Like that letter could have been fake. I mean, I have, yeah, I mean, it almost as a... Uh, um, like they, yeah, we're trying to arrange it. Right. I mean, I've, I've watched numerous documentaries on this case, and I've never found them to be sympathetic figures. Mm-hmm. I've never found them to be people where, where I felt, oh my gosh, you poor kids they never come off that way look again could anything have happened maybe but the point is you can't just go gunning people down as an adult i mean again this is not a little your child who you found out is being being harmed or whatever these were adults who made a conscientious decision and were apparently so unbroken up by it they just went on a massive spending spree after they tried to avoid you know Look, if they had said after the murder, hey, I did it in a fit of rage. I've been abused for years. I don't want anything. I don't want their money. I don't want this house. I'm glad they're gone. Hey, I'm listening. Now I'm paying attention because you've got some some cred with me that I'm willing to figure out if indeed this happened. But they went out of their way to not get caught and spent all that money in the and process. And went on a spending spree. And this article has some updated pictures of them, which is shocking to see because in my mind's eye, you know, this trial happened in 1989. There's still those two younger men. But now, of course, they've aged. One of them is bald now, and uh, they're full-grown men. Okay, it's 1028. We've got your voicemails coming up, and you have a social media etiquette question I as do, well. I do, I do. Yeah, I'm, uh, I don't know when we'll get to that. Uh, we have some great voicemails, yes, and I have a social media etiquette question for you and Kevin. Um, yes, so much fun and frivolity on the way. <laughs> it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. It's time to hear from you. Kendall and Casey present Voicemails. Brought to you by QC Kinetics for non-surgical regenerative medicine treatments at 317-559-PAIN. I'm so sorry you have just reached my answering machine. It is 1034 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. 317-684-8444. That's the phone number. It's the Friday edition of your voicemail. So let's make it good. All right. So we talked yesterday about how Jennifer McCormick is going to run for governor. She is running on the Democrat side, which makes sense because she is basically a lifelong Democrat. Uh, and Holcomb and Hupfer, uh, Eric Holcomb, the esteemed governor of the state, and Kyle Hupfer, the Indiana Republican Party chair, knew this in 2016 when they threw their full weight behind her at the Republican state convention to get her elected or nom- nominated uh running against a reliable, rock-solid conservative because, well, that's who they are, and they knew they would much rather do business with a Democrat than a conservative. 
And Jennifer McCormick proved to be everything most of us knew she would be. She is, if the angry red-shirted teachers had a mascot, it would be Jennifer McCormick. Maybe that'll be a good job for her when she inevitably loses the, the next governor's race. Uh, she could then become the official mascot of the angry red-shirted teachers. Um, but she is the creation of Eric Holcomb and Kyle Hupfer. And so when people talk about, well... Yeah, the Republicans are awful, but I can't vote for a libertarian or a third party because, well, we might get a Democrat in there. The Democrats are everywhere in state government. They just put ours next to their name. Mm -hmm. And these are the people who Holcomb and Hupfer have propped up. If it weren't for Holcomb and Hupfer, she would have never been the superintendent of of education. And uh, somebody called about that. As you pointed out correctly so, um, basically she was only in there because Eric Holcomb and all of his friends liked her and they got her the nomination. And I think she's, I blame her for most of the um, uh, failures of the Indiana public school system um, because I got to see it firsthand as a public school kid, um, especially during my high school years, and I blame her for most of it too, as well as the school school boards as well, and my school board. Um, I would throw, I'll go ahead and throw out a name, Senator Rowe, if they're just a complete failure, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're going to go ahead and endorse her this time. But my my take on her running for governor, she's just nothing more. It doesn't matter what party registry it is to me. She's Eric Holcomb in a dress. That is all she is to me. Anytime I see anything about her, now when I just saw her announce, I'm thinking, I'm like, I think she looks like she looks more like Eric Holcomb to me than anything else. Like because policy, it's just going to be more of the same under her, just like it was with Holcomb. If God forbid she were to be governor, which is probably very unlikely, but if she were to be the case, so she'd have to run as a Republican. But if she were to be governor, she'd continue Holcomb's policies because they all agree on everything. And I don't think Holcomb has ever said a bad word about her. Um, he, she would raise taxes like he has, raise the gas tax again, and the state will come crashing down if any more of these fools are elected are elected in the governor's office, which is, again, why we need you. <laughs> well, I'm not running. So hopefully somebody good will be. Speaking of which, Donald Rainwater Mm -hmm. will be with us Monday. Now, we are offering this to any person filing to run for governor. So whether it's uh, Doden or Suzanne or uh, uh, Braun or McCormick, uh, we're going to give Don and any of these other people, I'll give you a full hour to come on and talk about your stuff and your policies and what you want to do. And uh, I have a feeling most of them will not be taking us up on that because, well, they don't have much of anything to offer. But maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll be surprised and somebody, somebody will because what an opportunity to win votes. Um, but there, 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 is no, there is no difference between these parties at Isn't this point. Isn't she the one who was Republican and switched her party halfway through, though? Well, she switched after she got out. Well, she was a Democrat, and then they they got they got fast and loose, and somehow made her out to be a Republican, and then and then she became a Democrat again. So, as uh, the famed philosopher Homer Simpson once said, uh, I guess some people never change or quickly change, and then quickly change right back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is this was a creation of this Republican establishment that, for some reason. People are oh, totally afraid to vote for someone other than them because they're worried about Democrats getting in there, when in reality, they are just Democrats. Yep. The last time a Democrat won any statewide race, by the way, was in 2012. Yes, that was Glenda Ritz, uh, superintendent of, uh, of public education. And yet, despite not winning anything, the Republican Party remains, so that's been, that's been 11 years. The Indiana Republican Party remains petrified of angry red-shirted teachers 
and is willing to completely screw you and your kid over and embolden these lunatics, despite the fact that they can't win anything. But you know what's interesting about this, and and we can move off of her, but during an interview, which was ahead of her campaign announcement, she was criticizing the Republican Party here in Indiana because she said they have a lack of support for traditional public schools. What? Have you seen the budget? But that's the point. It's never enough. It doesn't matter. This is what we keep saying. It doesn't matter what you give these people. It's never enough because it's not about actually helping kids. It's not about actually making education better. It is about control and it is about promoting their own pocketbooks. It is not about kids and no amount of money is going to fix the flaws in the public education system. All right. Somebody called. We talked yesterday about Ukraine, Mm -hmm. about how uh, apparently Kevin McCarthy is all in on the never ending money supply, despite saying during the campaign. No blank check. uh, Yeah. The blank check is now apparently back. Corinne Jean-Pierre said that there's a blank check back. I asked the very simple and I think fair question. Where does all the money go? There's never been an ROI. There's never been an accounting. There's never been an audit. Where does the money go? Somebody called about that. You'd probably describe me as a bleeding heart liberal, although I'd probably disagree with that. But I'm far more liberal than than you are, for sure. And we probably don't agree on a whole lot. But you're absolutely 100% right. And I couldn't agree with you more about the spending in Ukraine. The reason we have a trillion, $29 trillion, whatever whatever the number is, is because we just throw $150 billion here and $150 billion there. And these numbers, they act like a billion, $150 billion doesn't mean anything because the budget is... So high, it's you know twenty nine trillion. What's one hundred and fifty billion? Twenty nine trillion of anything. Twenty nine trillion dollar bills stacked one by one. Look it up. Look how high up it goes. Twenty nine gal- trillion gallons of water. I mean, this is insane. We, we're just we're just throwing money right and left at everything, and we can agree that the uh, Ukraine, whatever you want to call it, war, crisis, uh, we're, we're, just, we're just throwing money, throwing money away. He agreed with you yeah. on that. Well, I think any person, regardless of your political persuasion, uh, with an ounce of common sense would recognize, hey, I'd really like to know where my money went. Mm-hmm. I'd really like to know how my money's being spent. I'd like to know what I got for my money. I don't think that's a political thing. I think that's a common sense thing. And it's hard to wrap your brain around how much money that is when you just keep adding zeros and zeros to it. It's just, it doesn't, it's it's out of our normal life. And the reason they get away with it is the government rigs the monetary system and our public policy to prevent people from feeling pain. Because somebody else will eventually feel this pain for all this printed money. I'm feeling it. Well, You're feeling it. You are, you, are, you are feeling it now in the sense of inflation, right? Yeah. But I mean, I'm saying the pain we should actually be feeling. We have racked up $32 trillion, which is a number you can't even fathom. 
but yet people don't sit down and think of it that way because they're not the ones paying for it. And many, many people are just selfish, self-absorbed people who don't either don't think about it or don't even care if they do think about it. Well, my grandkids or children or whatever are going to get stuck paying for it. They just don't care. Politicians don't care either. And what we're doing is gross. What we're doing to future generations is gross. If you're a decent person who cares about others at all, you should find it appalling. But uh, it just... Uh, the magical money printing tour just keeps right on rolling. One more call. I know we're running short on time, but remember yesterday we talked about the kids working at the McDonald's? Yes. And there was some, it was in Kentucky, wasn't it? Is that right? It was. It was, it was in Louisville. However, I believe the franchisee owner owns locations in Indiana as well. There were 10-year-old kids caught yep. working at the McDonald's late into the evening. And it, it was reported in some outlets that the kids weren't even being paid. Like, was that... Okay. Like, well... Internship? Look, no. so here, here's what I had said. I said, should kids be allowed to work around, like, heavy machinery? Mm -hmm. No. Should they be in any sort of environment where they're at some sort of danger? No. Is letting a kid work after midnight a good look? No. But this idea that people are just up in arms that a 10-year-old was working, well, our country was founded based on kids working... There was a time, Casey, where that's why people had kids, because they needed people to- Get them busy on the farm. Get them busy on the farm. So this idea of, oh my gosh, those poor children. There's lots of things kids could do. There's things I did at 10 years old to earn you know, extra money on the side. Mm -hmm. They could clean the restaurant or whatever. Newspaper route windows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cutting grass. Yeah, I mean, this is the, these these Karens who are up in arms over the idea of a 10-year-old working is is ridiculous, but somebody called about that. Hey, Rob, Casey. I'm calling about your topic earlier about the 10-year-olds working at McDonald's down in Kentucky. And a couple things. One is there is a reason there's an age limit on where people can work, or kids especially, because, first of all, um, they're not mature enough to work at most places. They can, you know, mow a lawn. I was a... Uh, paper boy when I was 11, uh, maybe a babysit, things like that. And I'm fine with a family letting kids work on the farm or in their own private or, you know, their own place, because then the parents are responsible. But you're talking about McDonald's, 10-year-olds. Uh, most of them McDonald's. I think at least when I was working at McDonald's, you could be 15 and start working there. But you had to be at least 18 to close, even at a McDonald's when I was there back in the 80s. So I don't know. That may have changed. But most places, you have to be at least 18 to work past, uh, or you know, work unlimited hours, things like that. And also, a 10-year-old cleaning McDonald's is not a good idea either, because they use chemicals to clean most of these fast food places. It's not like they're just using Windex. A lot of times, bleach and other things that can be very harmful if you don't know how to use them correctly. So a 10-year-old's clean McDonald's, not a great idea either. So anyway, just want to put my two cents in on that. So take care. It's a good point. But how about the babysitting? I remember I, I would babysit when I was 12. Yeah. And after midnight, the rate went up by a quarter. Oh, wow. Whole quarter. Talk about gouging the... Yeah. Counting your neighbors. Oh, yeah. It was all a whole dollar twenty-five. Wow. But when you think about in terms of that, okay, you're putting a 12-year-old in charge of your babies right. while you go out for mom and dad date night. Yeah. Isn't that just a little bit more responsibility than mopping the back room of McDonald's? Uh, yeah, you're right. And this is, and this, so this is what I come back to, which is that should be a parental decision. Like... Children, I'm, and I know this is an unpopular thing, but children are property of their parents until they become 18 years old. Now, obviously, there are rules and regulations. You can't abuse kids. You can't, you know, whatever. But I'm saying in terms of decisions about children, 
I mean, if we're going to be consistently conservative, right, on the public schools that parents make the choice, well, then parents make the choice. And that is true in the workforce. A parent should be able to decide, as long as the kid is not put in some physical risk of danger, that he or she is mature enough to work whatever job. Like, I mean, again, this idea that people are up in arms that a 10-year-old might be sweeping the floor at a McDonald's. Like, why? It's like you said, you were in charge of... Other humans. Yes, at 12. Right. You push in one of those little brooms that pick up the dust or whatever. Way less stressful than being in charge of humans. Now, I was a crew leader at Wendy's. That was my first real job. That's why you have such a grudge on Wendy's. Outside of babysitting. That's why you're so fierce anytime we mention Wendy's. No, that's why I know that you should dip your fries in the frosting. That's why the other day you were like, do you know how they make the chili? Because I saw it firsthand. Uh, But I believe that you had to be 15 to be able to work there. Well, there's probably some level of the work that needs to be done and can be done that would require someone that age. Mm -hmm. I'm not disputing that, but what I'm saying is if a child desires to do some non-dangerous form of work and the parent knows where they're at and believes they're up for it, I don't think it's the end of the world. I mean, people were getting hung up on the age of these kids rather than what sort of work were they actually doing. I'm a little disappointed that you didn't acknowledge that I was crew leader. I, just I mean, love, that, that's a management position just, at Wendy's, but I, I was 16, Rob. I just love that 63 years later, you're still <laughs> you're still holding a grudge about how they make the chili. 63 Do, do you later. know how they make the chili? Hey, we've got Hammer joining us next. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 1052, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC, and he is the front runner to have a mint julep during the 149th running of the Kentucky Derby, which is scheduled to start tomorrow. I'm talking about Hammer. The run for the roses is tomorrow. I love this time of year because we have Cinco de Mayo, which is today, and I brought tacos for I you. Know. Oh, awesome. yeah. Thank tacos you. Tacos in studio. Um, and Thank then you. you get into action at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. But the run for the roses, the Kentucky Derby, I love this race as a gambling degenerate. It's one of my favorite events of the year. And in honor of the run for the roses, coming up tomorrow, Churchill Downs, we got a little Hammer and Nigel Records tribute song here for you. Now, when I wrote this song, I was listening to a lot of Poison, okay? (laughs) And down the such they come in the Kentucky Derby! It's our first derby. We drove down after work yesterday, so we're running on about four hours of sleep. I snuck whiskey in my bra earlier. (laughs) An entire bottle. So, I mean, anything goes after that. You know I never... I've never seen a race like this. Come on. Surrounded by Kentucky Hicks. (laughs) (laughs) But I like it. Yeah. Woo. And I know you like it, too. (laughs) We're drinking so much booze. Come on, baby. Let's go. We'll be in Kentucky. Down at Churchill Downs. Drinking mint juleps. Woo! Until we pass out on the ground. <laughs> Wear your big hat. Casey. And make a big bet. And baby, talk, talk derby, derby to me. me. Yeah. There it is. 
Very nice. I snuck whiskey in my bra earlier. (laughs) An entire bottle. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I... uh, That was very well done, by the way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. However, I was kind of thinking, you know, Dan Fogelberg did a hit song called Run for the Roses, all about the Kentucky Derby, and I thought maybe that was where you're going. Hammer and Nigel Records greater than Dan Fogelberg. (laughs) When Dan Fogelberg comes out with cocaine in the Ukraine, you let me know. (laughs) Well, he's dead, so he won't be coming out with anything else. So I won. Have you already? Have you I like already... it when my enemies die because I've got some enemies that are dead, and it's kind of like that meme where I've almost went to the funeral and just wanted to look at him and go scoreboard. I love that you consider Dan Fogelberg an enemy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's coming up on the big show this afternoon? Oh man, it's Cinco de Mayo and it's Beer Sample Friday, so we're gonna get loose, man. We're gonna have a good time. Biggest stories of the day, uh, a lot of fun guests. Tune in and check it out. Thanks for the tacos, by the way. You're welcome. Thanks, Hammer. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.